This character is desperately trying to impress Darth Vader, has anger issues, and wants more power. So I'm talking about Kylo Ren, right? No, I'm actually talking about Reva, the third sister. On today's show, we'll be digging deeper into Kylo Ren, Reva, and much more. We're covering episode two of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. This will be a spoiler-filled show. If you haven't seen the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, you might want to listen after you've seen them. I am also doing a third show uh, about the third episode tomorrow, so you can check that out there if you want my thoughts on that. Welcome to the Story Geek Show. I'm Jay Shear, co-writer of Death of a Bounty Hunter, and Time Slingers, the full cast audiobook of Death of a Bunny Hunter, is now available via our website on Audible, on audiobooks.com, on Downpour, on Apple Books. Basically, everywhere audiobooks are sold, you can get a copy of Death of a Bounty Hunter. Support the show by purchasing a copy. Links are in the description. Joining me on today's show, two excellent Disney podcasters with fantastic insights into the Walt Disney Company as a whole and the theme parks even more specifically. The OG himself, Orange Grove 55, Andre. Gentlemen, it's good to see you. Thank you, Jay, for having us on, man. We, we appreciate it. This is going to be a good time. I, I, I've been really enjoying this uh, this show, and I, I can't wait to dive into episode two, man. Oh, it's going to be it's gonna be awesome. And the first thing I have to ask is, Dre, can you, can you get us into the parks? Let's get you in here real fast. Let's get uh, Jay. We we got we got to have you in here right there. We got to have you in there. OG, got to have you in here. And uh, and for me, all right, I'll come to. I'll come to. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Perfect. Oh, and Perfect. since we're getting magic bands, we'll go ahead and scan those in as well. Nice. We're bi coastal. We're bi coastal. I love it. Right. Um, well, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, really quickly, uh, as an intro to your show, you guys had me on the show. Uh, what was it about two weeks ago now? Almost two weeks ago. Yeah, and we got a chance to talk about Bob Chapek. We had a chance to talk about streaming services. We had a chance to talk about the return of the red car trolley. A lot of fun stuff about the parks. So just really quickly, if you guys would just give a little bit of an intro of yourself and sort of what you're interested in in the Disney arena. Go ahead, Ray. You, you start first, sir. Hey, uh, my passion uh, really lies in the parks. But, you know, now with the Disney Company, you know, getting its... I guess tendrils and so many other things and aspects and 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 how it relates to the parks. You kind of have to be up on all things Disney. So, my passion is really kind of my my core passion is really at the parks, especially Disney parks in general. But uh, you know, you really have to keep up with all facets of the Disney company. You know, in order to know what's coming. So that's uh, been quite a, an interesting journey. Uh, anyway, that that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and take the time to get the uh, promotional bit out of the way here. <laughs> if you want to follow me, if you want to reach out to me, whatever, you can do so at Vashkai, just right there on your screen. Um, how it's spelled right there. And if you want to see me, well, it's on the channel. Uh, Orange Girl 55 right there up top uh, <laughs> uh, at Freshly Squeezed, your source for juicy news and info, squeezed fresh right from the grove. So that is uh, where you can find me. Oh, I love it. Definitely give Dre a follow for sure. What about you, OG? What are, what's your passion? What are you doing this? All this, all these videos you do, what are you doing them for? You know, since I was a young, a young kid, I, I've always had a passion for this whole kind of thing, this whole kind of like creative revolution that Walt Disney started, mm. you know, um, he always was pushing the boundaries, you know, I'm going to do the first sound cartoon. And by the time he passed, he wanted to build a city of tomorrow. Right. Guy had a lot of ambition. He changed entertainment 
in profound ways. And that's really where I come from. I, I love the studio end of it. I love the parks end of it. I, I just love what Walt really kind of kind of started that they had the spark. He, he, he kind of lit like it just it, it's fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating to me. And I've always been into it ever since I was a young kid. And uh, it's been a passion of mine. So yeah, man, I'm I, I'm all in. I'm all in with this stuff. That's I think awesome. it's great. And and George Lucas, to kind of touch upon what we're talking about today, is kind of that same kind of mind, right? Yep. He, he is very much that creative visionary, that very much that creative revolutionary. So it all ties in, I think, pretty nicely. Yeah. And Michael Eisner actually thought of George Lucas as kind of the modern Walt Disney. So it is kind of, you know, it, it, it all kind of comes around. It's a very fascinating Absolutely. thing. This all comes around uh, like it does. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Uh, Orange Grove 55 is their channel. It is awesome. Go check them out. They have some very great insights about how the Walt Disney Company works and maybe what you're getting in the parks, what you're getting on streaming, all of the various areas of the Walt Disney Company, and they do a really good job of covering it. So before we jump into episode two, there's been a lot of talk about toxicity in the, in the fandom specifically around racism in the fandom and what has happened to Moses Ingram, who plays Riva. Um, and we're going to be digging into Riva pretty deeply on this show a little bit. So I want to, I want to first address the proverbial elephant in the room that is going around all of these circles. And that is, what do we do about this? This is something that we are, um, all three of us are involved in this fandom. Um, these things are happening. We're seeing them happen. The Walt Disney Company is even now responding differently than they have in the past. So, OG, why don't you kick us off? What what is uh, what what are your thoughts on this, and what should we what should we do about it? Uh, it's interesting. It, it's a very complex situation indeed because you can't really. This is the thing with Disney is like they they go one way and the other side gets mad. They go the other way and that other side gets mad. It's 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 a tightrope that they're walking constantly, right? Um, look, here's my overall view on it. Were, were racist, disgusting things said um, to Moses Ingram? 100%. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I, I've, I've seen the messages that she received, and they were not pretty. There, there's a lot of ugliness out there. And, and we've seen it with the, with the Star Wars fandom in the past. Long before Bob Chapek, long before Bob Iger, um, back in the prequel days. I mean, a lot of Star Wars fan, fans, because they have a lot of passion in them, uh, you know, this is something that they, they, that they, that they get fired up over. We, we saw it with Jake Lloyd, you mm -hmm. know, with the prequels. You got a lot of, a lot of stuff, a lot of heat for his portrayal of Anakin Skywalker. Um, I believe the gentleman who, who played Jar Jar Binks, Ahmed Best. Yeah. He also got a lot of stuff from fandom. And even George Lucas himself said he, he really wanted to break away from Star Wars and sell it because of, of all this drama that he was getting even back then from the fandom. He, he even complained he can't do anything new because every time he tries to do something new, the fans would attack him. Yeah. So it's an issue. It's an issue. I know it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. I know a lot of fans don't want to look inward, but I do think the fan, um, the, the fan, the, there's a fan element to this that I think that as fans, we need to look at and go, okay, um, we're not maybe, uh, we're not dealing with stuff as, as well as we should. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of fandom uh, kind of goes into this in, in a very toxic way. It's okay to not like, for example, the Reva character in Kenobi, but you don't need to go at Moses. Mm. Moses didn't write the character. Moses didn't write the script. Moses is doing what she was told to do. Yeah. She was told, hey, do this, say that, 
She's just doing her job. And to come after her as a person, I think is really weird. I think that, that's a weird approach. And it was equally as weird when they went after Jake Lloyd, equally as weird when they went after Ahmed Vest. Yes. That's kind of where I'm at with it. But at the same time, we just came out of a very successful, in my opinion, Star Wars celebration. Yes. A very positive. We got a lot of great announcements, a lot of positive energy around Star Wars. And I, I got to admit, I mean, it, it is a little frustrating to come out of such a positive event like that and have all this energy and excitement and kind of go right into this again. Yes. I feel like it's like 2017 all over again. It's frustrating. Yes. It's very, very frustrating. So I think that maybe... It's a tough call, man. Like Lucasfilm, they addressed this issue and everything. I, I'm not 100% sure that they maybe should have. Maybe it would have been better to stay out of it. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like I said earlier on, it's that tightrope. You stay out of it, then you get crap from the other side, right? So right. not really sure. I'm just frustrated that we just can't watch this content and judge the content for what it is and just be fans and just kind of geek out and kind of whatever it, it we're, we're constantly being thrown into this political stuff and it's yeah. frustrating man i just want to like watch the show and judge the show on its own merits and i get dived into kind of dragged into this and right. i feel like we're constantly being dragged into it i've said it before many times on my channel i'm really tired of the culture war i'm really tired of the culture war i, yeah. I just want to be a nerd again and just enjoy this stuff and i feel like it's hard to even do that anymore so that's kind of yeah. why that's really good what do you think dre um yeah, I, I I agree generally with the sentiment there. I'll I'll disagree a little bit in saying that I think the hate that uh, Moses was receiving, um, I I think characterization matters. What were there vile comments directed her way? Absolutely. Mm. At what scale, though? What does that represent the majority opinion? Because I saw nobody standing alongside with those people who were calling her out in that specific way. Mm. I don't think that's a sentiment shared by um, the, the the overwhelming majority of Star Wars fans out there. Now, mm. I did see genuine critiques out there, and I saw a lot of people conflating those critiques to impart, you know, racism or other, um, you know, undesirable. Uh, type motives behind them right yeah, yeah uh but but i i didn't see you know i didn't see people standing with you know some of the some of the vile or repugnant people out there who are making those kind of comments um and and honestly it's it's kind of a tough thing because moses is a new actor uh to this franchise mm -hmm. playing a character that's brand new right alongside um or you know maybe more established actors in this franchise dealing with legacy characters that people have you know familiarity with uh going back decades uh if not uh you know almost half a century now mm -hmm. so you know it's kind of a it's kind of a tough thing and and i do have critiques on that character as we'll maybe get in uh to the mm -hmm. show on mm -hmm. right i do have critiques about her uh about her portrayal of that character but i again i kind of take the whole kind of uh, Hayden Christensen or, or you know, the, the, the kind of route where it's like, I, I don't really, I don't really uh, blame the actor necessarily, right? right? It's more about the direction, the writing, you know, how that, how that portrayal uh, ended up being on screen in the first place and not so much the, 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 the actor per se. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I think if I, I look at those critiques differently than say, you know, somebody who, who might be calling it, calling her out for 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 other things that right. uh, yeah. that make you know people feel uncomfortable, but uh, you know 
the charges of racism, I mean, look, it's... I, I, I go back in Star Wars history, and I look at Billy D. Williams, I look at Samuel L. Jackson, I look at Lupita Nyong'o, uh, you know, J John Boyega, John, Donald Glover. Um, I, I look at, uh, you know, even recently with Carl Weathers and stuff like that, and I didn't see any of the you know, any racism necessarily slung their way. Obviously, mm. there might have been incidents of racism, but I, I didn't see that myself personally. I definitely didn't see people standing alongside those people in those, uh, in in that regard. Um, I just think it's we really weird now how we're going to call it out now, mm. and and I think Star, you know, the Star official Star Wars Twitter account and so forth attempting to you know call segments of the fan fan base racist i i just think they made the, the situation a lot worse mm. and mm. i have to really question their motives on why they may have done that mm. uh to, to be quite frank um there's a lot of people saying oh are they just trying to drum up controversy just to kind of get the show's numbers up i mean I, it's just weird how it all went down and mm. i think it could have been handled differently than playing into the repugnance amongst us and you know you're you're giving them exactly what they want when you call mm. them out like that, and I think it, I I think that was um that was a misstep by them. Interesting, interesting. You know, you know, Dre, you bring up an interesting point mm. when you said that a lot of these other actors and actresses didn't receive the same heat. That's a fair point, you know, because like even recently with Solo, right, Donald Glover. I mean, I don't know a single fan out there that was hating on Donald Glover. A lot of people loved his portrayal as Lando. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's a fair point to make in, in that, like, if, if, look, if there, if there's this rampant kind of problem with racism in the Star Wars community, and look, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. There's always going to be that element in any fandom, any culture, any society, you're always going to have those bad apples, right? Yeah. But if it was as, as prevalent in this particular community as it's perceived to be, you would think that Donald Glover would have received the same sort of hate. What about, um, Rosario Dawson for yeah. Ahsoka. I don't see a lot of the, you know, and there was another man, I, I forgot her name, but um, the gal who played, she was in solo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fen Fendui Newton. Yes. I didn't see a lot of heat for her either. And she's a woman of color as well. I, I just, man, and even if you go to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, yeah. you see a lot of heat, obviously, for Brie Larson and Captain Marvel. <laughs> but then you see, but then you see, you know, characters like Wanda, you know, Elizabeth Olsen and stuff who are, who are kind of universally loved. Uh, you know, and that, that kind of plays to the sexism thing, right? Like, right. okay, well, if the fandom is sexist, then now why is Wanda so loved? So I get what you're saying, Dre. I, I do see. It, it does seem a little more selective. It doesn't seem necessarily like a blanket, like, okay, any, any person of color in star Wars is bad. Any, any woman, this, that it doesn't seem very, it doesn't seem like a broad brush. It really doesn't. It does seem very selective. And, and I do think there's valid criticisms in regards to this character of Reva. And I have a few myself. I don't think she's as bad as a lot of people are saying, but I mean, if you have a valid criticism of the character, how she's written, that's a fair critique. But if you tweet at her, and make disgusting racial comments or yeah. death threats. I'm sorry, there's no excuse for that. But I think oh, most fans, and maybe I'm seeing it from a Pollyanna kind of view, but I think most fans are sort of um, coming at it from a perspective of like, they don't like the character. Yeah. And it's the weirdos that are going after her and her race, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's so there's so many other components to this that I think are, so, so I think the first, the number one thing is, we all have to talk about a thing that we all agree with 
Like the only the, the number of people who agree that it's okay to be racist is a pretty small number in right. the developed world. Let's let's call it right. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are different situations in different countries. That's another thing. There may be some of these fans that are all over the globe that are saying things. It's not just your right. next door neighbor who's doing this. There's, this is a big fandom. This is global fandom. So yeah. I think that um, part of the problem is is that that I think that we're starting to. We have so many opinions available to us. You can go on the internet and see any opinion that you could possibly want to see. And the issue with that is that it, it makes, it makes it more difficult to have a nuanced conversation because what people are looking to do is they're looking to put everybody in a different tribe. Like, Oh, you guys are in that tribe. Then you must be racist or you're in this tribe. Then you must be the good ones. Right. And the problem with that kind of behavior is all it does is it serves to make more extremists on both sides. <laughs> right. So if I think that what you guys have said, which I totally agree with, is it's never okay to bully anybody. It doesn't matter if it's about race. It doesn't matter if it's about gender. It doesn't matter if it's about sexuality. It doesn't matter. Pick any topic you want. It's not okay to bully people about that. It is okay to have a nuanced discussion about the stories that are impacting the world around us. And Star Wars is a very impactful story. A lot of people gravitate towards it. A lot of people get things out of it. People of multiple types of religions, people of any, if you're atheist or agnostic, you, it doesn't matter what, you know, what, if what your ethnic background is, a lot of people get a lot out of Star Wars. And so I think that it's kind of one of those things that I would like to say that at this point, we know that toxicity exists in just about every fandom. And I would like to, at some point, start to say, look, everybody agrees. 99.99% of people agree. You do not behave this way. So let's just, let's just let those, let's just, I think what what I don't want to do is just say, you know, anybody who has a critique, anybody who has negative feelings about something is racist. And by the way, no one said that. I'm not saying anyone said that. But I think that what it starts to do online, when we don't get these nuanced conversations where we can't sit for an hour with each other and talk about what this really looks like, I think mm. we start to get these propaganda points, right? right? And I just don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't appreciate it. And as somebody, I, I found myself in this boat sometimes too, is when I join a conversation and I didn't like something, I'm not going to I'm not going to be brazen about that. I'm not going to be offensive about that if I can help it. But I am going to say, here are some of the reasons that this didn't resonate with me personally. Right. And, I'm, and I do think that because we live in a society where it's so easy to reach out to some to a person who is involved in a creative endeavor, whether it was the writer, whether it was the actors, um, Unfortunately, they bear the brunt of some of this stuff in a way that they shouldn't, right? Because otherwise they might not be aware of it at all. But unfortunately, we have ease of communication happening here. Um, so I, I agree with you both. I think it's it's I'm 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 getting a little bit tired of having to say racism is bad because it's like, dude, it's so obvious that it's horrible. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. There's and, and 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 I as a as a white male, uh, I do have to say it right because the, the, just because I don't want anyone to have a perception that I would be okay with any of that, um, but I'm getting tired of the people who have to deal with it having to deal with it. I'm getting tired of having to talk about it. It just seems like we should all be more on the same page, um, and so I'm happy that we can have 
longer discussion in a podcast format with friends and people that we don't agree with and be more nuanced because Twitter is not helping this at all. <laughs> oh yeah. No, Twi Twitter is a, is, is accessible in a yes. lot of ways. I, I think in all honesty, I think the world would be a much better place if Twitter didn't exist. I think that's the source of a lot of drama yeah. in our world right now. And, and, and like Jay, you touched upon a great point when you said the extremes on both sides. Yeah. We see this, you know, like, Look, if, if George Lucas released the sequel, I mean, the um, if George Lucas released the prequels today, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people would, would say that the prequels are woke. I mean, you see a yeah. lot compared to the original films. You see a lot of culturalism in those prequels. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, you see Queen, Am um, Queen Amidala with, with very geisha kind of inspired, you know, um, you know, face paint makeup, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it's very culturally inspired the prequels yeah, much 100%. more way 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 more that than than the original films and 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 people nowadays if that was those films released today would go oh man star wars is going woke look at all the <laughs> representation look at all wow look at they had to make her japanese right they had to do this and that and the other and then on the other side you know the the other side the, the more the more um you know, fringe on the left, everything is racist, you know, everything is racist, you know, and it, I think both sides are kind of like the fringe. And I think a lot of, most people I think are kind of in the middle. Yes. I think that that yeah. gray area is pretty much where the, where the majority of people are. Yeah. And I think that what you, to your point, Jay, Twitter is really plays to the fringes. And I think that the majority of people are really in that middle, I think in my, you know, my opinion. Yeah. I think that's totally true. And I think that I, I wish that we could have better conversations and more in-depth conversations with people, but it's very difficult to do in the modern world. You literally have to get on a show like this, especially, you know, the three of us are in very different place, places geographically. So yeah. we have to like, you know, it's harder to have meaningful conversations, um, but we'll go ahead and move away from this to topic. I mean, obviously don't be racist. Also, if you feel like you're getting frustrated with Disney and you feel like you're angry at Disney and you feel like this wealth of emotion that is pushing back against Disney, it helps to just classify what that is in your mind. Why do you feel that anger and ask yourself to, to kind of unravel that? And it's one of the things I like to do on whenever we're dealing with storytelling, I like to say storytelling is all about answering why questions. Why is the character doing this? Why is the plot changing this way? And then we can turn those questions on ourselves and ask us like, well, why didn't we like that? And was there a reason we didn't like it? I just want to throw out a shout out to, uh, to Josh Taylor, who's been frequent guest of, of mine on this show, uh, Modern Mouse. He left a comment and said, women and people of color have a better written and better, have to be better written and better acted because they're unfairly held to a higher standard sub subconsciously. And I think that, that, that statement is, uh, I think it, I think that that can be true, but again, I do feel like that's a little bit more on, on the fringes of things, but I also feel like I'll, I'll just, I want, I kind of want to leave this topic and get into the, get into the episode, but I will, the last thing I'll say is that the more we're told we're supposed to like something, the more there's a part of our society that goes, wait a minute, why do you keep telling me I need to like that? Right. Right. Yeah. And there's a there's a reaction to that. There's a reaction to the right. wait a minute, I have the freedom to do whatever I want to. So right. while I do think that women and people of color take the brunt of these racist, uh, sexist comments, I do believe that that's very, very true. 
Um, like for example, I think actually objectively, objectively, not subjectively, objectively, you can you can break down Black Panther and it is one of the best made Marvel films, right? Like right. in terms of saying, like, does it have a clear, does it have a clear, does it follow a clear um first act, second act, third act? like storytelling structure? Does it have well-written characters who change in a character arc? You, you can take those things objectively, but when I'm told now, no, no, no not me, because I love that movie, but when someone's told <laughs> you must love that movie, the response is going to be, but I don't really like it that much. For whatever subjective reason exists, right. you're only making that person more extreme. So I do believe that that people of color and, and women bear the brunt of this negativity. Um but I don't think that collectively they're held to a higher standard. I don't necessarily know that that's true. I think that they're held to a higher standard with this, with these fringe groups who just want to find some reason. Look, most of these people live very miserable lives. Yeah, they, don't, they don't know what else to do with that. Right. So, um, so anyways, we'll move on, but I think we're all in, in very much yeah. agreement. Like, look, you can critique these things, but uh, maybe don't critique them on Twitter. Maybe start a podcast because you can actually externalize all of your, different feelings on how those things should go well you know what they say about twitter though i mean you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villain <laughs> well done well done let's and we'll get right into that the the star wars vibe now as we dig into this episode so we are talking about episode two today and episode two shifts from tatooine to dayu a blade runner-esque type of a planet just about um, to say that yeah it's very blade runner-esque very blade runner i was like <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Inspired this before. By. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the mercenaries who kidnapped Leia have taken her here in order to draw Obi-Wan Kenobi to Reva, the third sister. And this episode puts Obi-Wan back in detective mode. We talked about that. I talked about that with Michael Young a couple episodes back about how sometimes Obi-Wan will go into full detective mode as he's as he's searching for something. And now he's searching for Leia. Full detective mode back into uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's life. On a scale of 1 to 10... Just briefly, because we'll get into some of the things that we loved about this and some of the things that maybe didn't resonate with us. But just briefly, on a scale of one to ten, Dre, what did you rate this particular episode, episode two? Yeah, I was thinking about this a lot uh, mm. when you initially, you know, asked, and I really had to had to really had to, had to dig deep for it. Um, <laughs> probably gonna be probably gonna be seven point five. There were some yeah. things that I I really really liked, and some things that eh, didn't quite work. It doesn't have that, uh, you know, that big action set piece, right? Or, or those like, whoa, you know, kind of moments. So that's kind of why it, it goes down a little bit on the list. But overall, I mean, production design was, I mean, just fantastic. <laughs> like really, really well done. I did like, uh, like you said, Obi-Wan detective mode. That's something we haven't seen since like Attack of the Clones. Yes, right? exactly. You know, that kind of stuff. I, I, I dig that. Um, I kind of dig a scrappy Obi-Wan, right? You know, one that's kind of... You know, he, he, he really can't use his lightsaber in order to not draw, draw attention to himself. So, you know, he kind of holsters that and kind of goes fist to cuffs. I, I really dig that. And, uh, you know, the, the kind of Bonnie moments between, uh, you know, kind of child Leia and, and Obi-Wan is, has been pretty sweet uh, to, to, to watch. Uh, so, yeah, about, about 7.5. I, I think it was, uh, you know, decently written. Um uh, it, it does definitely has some implications for the future, and you know it, it definitely has that kind of shocking moment at the end that gets you uh, interested in the next episode. So yeah, nice. seven and a half. Seven and a half from Dre OG. What do you think? What's your scale of I, one to ten here? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a bit higher than, than Dre. I'm gonna go eight point five. Ooh. I'm gonna go eight point five, and for a couple of reasons, and uh, we'll touch upon this in, in a little more depth, you yeah. know, going forward. But 
I, I really love the relationship that Kenobi has with, with little Leia. Yeah. Um, it it, it yeah. oddly reminded me of the relationship that Kenobi had with Anakin. Like when, when he was going through the planet, right. And trying to keep her under wraps and he's arguing with her. No, no, Leia, 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 right. It was very reminiscent of the prequels when he, when he's kind of going on these missions with Anakin and Anakin was constantly bucking him and fighting him on stuff. And he's kind of arguing with him along the way. And being a pain in the, you know what, right? <laughs> it reminded me so much of that Anakin Kenobi relationship in the prequels. It was so beautiful. I love that. Okay, she was giving him all kinds of crap. It was, it was fantastic, <laughs> absolutely fantastic. The little girl who plays her, by the way, I don't know her name. I do apologize. Phenomenal little actress. Really, really well done. She really did, did capture the, I think the the spirit of Princess Leia oh, perfectly, perfectly. Yeah. Um. So I absolutely love that. And then you touched upon the the ending with, with, with like, you know, that whole moment when he realizes when Reva uh, tells him that Anakin is still alive and you see it on Kenobi's face. It just, it, it, it like just the blood drains from his face. He turns white. And he's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. That was such a powerful moment. And it was almost 100%. like, it was, it just gave me goosebumps the way she was kind of like, Oh, you didn't know he was alive, Kenobi, <laughs> haunting him. I thought that was like almost like it was almost like a, um, it was like this mind game that she was playing with him, which I thought was beautifully done and mm. almost like almost like kind of like horror movie vibes. Mm. Um, just absolutely love that finale. That was that was a banger, like maybe a few minutes at the end with, with that. I just absolutely adored that. So yeah, I'm going to give it pretty high marks. I give it 8.5. I thought that was really well done. I, I really, really enjoyed this episode quite a bit. That's cool. I'm sitting right in the middle of you guys. Cause I'm at an eight out of 10. Um, and by the way, I, some people have liked episode one better. Some people have liked episode two better. I'm, I'm an eight out of 10 on both those episodes. They had different things going on. They were very stylistically different. Um, and I like the fact that we have, I like the fact that we have both of them. Let's get into, you talked a little bit about some of what you loved about this particular episode. So I want to hear more about that. OG, why don't you start us out? What are some of the moments that you really gravitated towards with this particular episode? The big, the big takeaway for me, I was really, I was really, it really brought a lot of feels when, when I saw the interaction between Kenobi and little Leia. Cause like I said before, it really did remind me a lot of that relationship that Kenobi had with Anakin that they were brothers, right? They were family, but like there was that tension. There was that constant <laughs> bickering along the way, you know? And that's what, that's what this whole relationship that he had with little Leia kind of reminded me of. It was that constant kind of like, Hey, I love you, but Hey, you're a pain in my, you know what? Right. Yeah. yeah. That was very, very cool to me. That felt like it felt like a very natural kind of like progression from the prequels. I felt like I was watching the prequels, mm. you know, uh, and that would, that I'm not, look, I love the prequels. So that's not an insult at all. You know, I mean, I just felt like it was very much kind of in that same vein of the prequels. Right. Kenobi on this mission with someone who's constantly giving them problems. <laughs> I love that. And I love that that last few minutes with, with Reva and Kenobi and she reveals Anakin's alive and you see that reaction from Kenobi. It was visceral. It was like, you McGregor, I, I just got to say, I mean, in all three episodes, I know we're not going to dive into episode three today, but in all three episodes, you and McGregor absolutely hits a home run. The The dude has just been unleashed and he's <laughs> he's giving us acting that he was never really, I think, allowed to do 
with, with the prequels. I yeah. look George Lucas. I love the man. Great visionary, but he's horrible when it comes to dialogue and things like that. <laughs> and and I think Ewan is, is actually been been kind of freed from that a little bit. And and you're starting to see that he's a yeah. phenomenal actor. So just all those things kind of combined. I really, really, really did love this episode. I, I just felt it was like a, a a great kind of tribute to the prequels, but it was fresh enough that it was like forward and not just totally depending on nostalgia. I loved it. I really did. Eight point five. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, just to just to pick up on something you said there that uh, I talked about with uh, Megan Salinas when she was on the episode talking about episode one with me. You know, George Lucas, for as much as I admire him for giving me some of my favorite fandoms, like Indiana Jones is absolute top favorite. Uh, we we talked about that after the after the show. We spent another twenty minutes talking about Indiana Jones when I was on with you guys. Um, so George Lucas is like a hero in terms of his ideas and how he puts those ideas onto paper and then translates those onto screen. But one of the things that Megan and I talked about is he's not really a person who should be in the director's seat. I don't think that he understands. I literally don't think he understands acting because you'll notice that when he's, he's the one that's directing actors, there's, there's an awkwardness. There's a, there's a strangeness there that, that is just exists where if somebody else is directing the actors, they seem to pick up on it. And so a lot of people will say, well, yeah, the dialogue's a little clunky. And I'm not saying that it isn't, but when a, when the dialogue is even in another director's hands, it feels better, <laughs> right? So like, <laughs> it's just one of those things with uh, with Lucas that it is what it is, but I love the guy. So, and I, and I think, by the way, this is, this, is one of those, this is one of those things when we critique. One of the things that we're trying to understand is people who love stories. We love stories. So one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to say, well, what made this story better than this story? What makes me resonate with this story? And if we if we remove our thinking caps and just say dumb things, then we say, I like this story because of some reason that's nonsensical, or I don't like this story because of some reason that's nonsensical. But when we put on our thinking caps, we can really get down to what is it that I that I struggled with here? And that can help us both interpret other stories better and when it comes to telling our own and using our own creativity we can get better at it too. So I, I think that that's, um, I love the stuff that you brought up. Dre, what else you got on your list? Oh, well, I was just going to continue your thought about George Lucas. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, his direction is, you know, I mean, it's it's basically you know, faster, more intense. You know, that, that's that's the extent of his direction kind of thing. And even like Harrison Ford, uh, for example, yeah. when he would talk about it, he's like, man, you know, it's like, you know, y your your dialogue is written in such a way that nobody can actually act it, you know, emote it and, and right. kind of thing. So he was very, uh, you know, critical of of that whole, uh, you know, characterization of certain characters and so forth. And yeah. it, it, it was it was tough. But I think that's what made the OT great was that he wasn't. He wasn't the end all be all. There were other people in the room kind of contributing yes. to this great thing yes. and made it uh, made it really what it was. Uh, now, the prequels were amazing, spectacularly, visually, um, just like, you know, expanding out the Star Wars universe. And to, to your earlier earlier point, uh, OG, about culture, you know, bringing in the various cultures of of all the different, you know, uh, uh, you know, planets representing them and, and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it really was fantastic. It's just the kind of human story that we all expected from Star Wars uh, didn't quite resonate in the way that maybe it should have. Mm. And, uh, and so Ian McGregor here is really allowed to act 
um, and, and and kind of bring out those kind of uh, relatable human stories uh, through Obi Wan Kenobi, and I think it's really fascinating. Um, that that moment where uh, you even uh, acts with his daughter uh, Esther Rose. Oh yeah, McGregor, yeah, yeah. I think right. is her name. Um, that was really kind of a cool moment, and it was yeah. just kind of that's kind of the slow kind of you know uh, did, 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 did it really impact the plot at all no not really but it was a really nice character moment that kind of showed the vulnerability of not only uh, uh obi-wan himself but also the situation right where it's kind of like ooh, you know this 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 could get really really dicey that moment in particular by the way felt like a really kind of blade runner-esque <laughs> blade runner 2049 quite uh, kind of moment and it was it kind of shocked me it was like whoa you know it's like i've dipped into another franchise but uh, it's it's featuring characters that we know and love, and that, that, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, the other moment that um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure this is quite divided. Humor in Star Wars is definitely something that's, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely controversial at times, right? But I thought the moments with uh, Kumail uh, Nanjiani, I believe is his name, um, the uh, the pseudo Jedi, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. I thought. I thought, you know, or the person acting like a Jedi. I thought that was great. I thought that stuff was was actually pretty funny. Uh, and and it, you know, it was it was humorous. Yeah, maybe some people might find it campy or corny or whatever. But I thought it was actually uh, 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 kind of really nicely done. Um, that uh, you know, on my subsequent rewatches, always brought a smile to my face <laughs> whenever that scene actually came up. So that was pretty. Uh, that was that was pretty good. Um, uh, you know, there, and you know, we got to see the production of Spice and and a planet that we had never really seen before. Took us away from Tatooine, who, that all right. we all kind of are familiar mm -hmm. with, but kind of want something more. No, I thought uh, I, I thought there were some really good aspects of this of this episode, and and uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see uh, can't wait to see three. I, I wish I would have seen it before the show, but wasn't oh, able yeah. to. Uh, Jay, what was the name of that planet that they're on in this episode? Was it Daya? Dayu. 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 Yeah. Dayu. Okay, I want to kind of touch upon that a little bit. Mm. Sure. I really, really liked this planet. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because for those of you that are not aware, that Kenobi takes place uh, 10 years after Revenge of the Sith before A New Hope. It's right in between the prequels and, um, and the originals, right? And I think Dayu, the planet, really kind of gave a perfect balance of both trilogies. And what I mean by that is, is it has elements of Coruscant, that very kind of flashy kind of prequel mm. thing, right? You know? Right. It felt like that very, very prequel-ish, yeah. right? Yeah. But it was dirty, though. Yeah. Right. It was dirty. It wasn't. It wasn't spotless. It wasn't like Coruscant where everything was sparkling clean. <laughs> it, it had that kind of grunge and grime to it, though. So it was that perfect. It kind of straddled both trilogies kind of beautifully in a lot of ways. It was very, very prequels, but very, very OT as well. I kind of love that. I kind of love that. I would actually. I was watching it. And I was like, wow, man. I would really love to see Disney dive into this in the theme park world. Oh, and have kind of like this Tokyo, this galactic Tokyo kind of thing that they're going <laughs> with, with Dayu in a theme park, you know, an expansion of Batu or something like that. I mean, it, it was very cool with the, with the, with the neon signage all in Arabesh. Yeah. Freaking awesome, man. It yeah, was, it was yeah. beautiful. I loved it. I loved it. It was like great. I said, I mean, it looked, it looked a lot like Blade Runner to me. I don't know if you're familiar, <laughs> OG, but yeah, it, totally. it definitely gave me those feels, but you're right. And it kind of, um, 
it, it kind of symbolizes like a crumbling society, you know, as right. we're, you know, the, the empire is kind of getting going and being established and stuff like that. You're going to see some decline over time. And uh, I think that's what George Lucas was attempting to say, not just with the OT, but with the prequels. Like, hey, this is the era after or, or like during the war, right? Uh, during this conflict, dur- you know, during this empire. And here's what it was like before, you know, yeah. before the dark times, right? Before the empire. Right. And this kind of this this juxtaposition of styles comes uh, together nicely, I think, as uh, OG pointed out with Dayu. Yeah. I think it was a really good representation of that, you know, of like, you know, you got one foot in, one foot out as this, <laughs> this kind of, uh, you know, decaying civilization, uh, as you will, this representation of it. I thought it was really good. Yeah, if, yeah. You bring the, if you bring the environment into what you guys talk a lot about with theme parks, Coruscant is the magic kingdom of the star wars world where Dayu is maybe more the magic mountain (laughs) 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 it's kind of how we're dealing with that here but it was really well done um by the way i gotta give a couple shout outs Uh, i mentioned uh modern mouse earlier josh taylor is part of modern mouse please go follow him he's awesome and now we have theme park casual big fan of your guys in the chat as well definitely go follow um theme park casual we have a we have a whole theme park family today here which is awesome. awesome um couple things I wanted to pick up uh, on that you guys talked about. The first thing is, this is going to be a very controversial thing to say, but I will stand by it. I think the Kumail scenes are the funniest things I've ever seen in Star Wars. Like, in in my opinion, like, so normally what we get with Star Wars is we get jokes that are a little bit more what I would call ubiquitously funny jokes. They're... In every almost can cross every culture, they can cross every age range. This was a little bit more, this is a little bit more nuanced, and it was a little bit more reliant upon how Kumail was going to deliver those lines. Yeah, because he delivers those lines in one way, it's not funny. Um, but yeah. when, but when the lady says, You are so strong in the force, he goes, I am. It's like that's <laughs> so funny, dude. Like the way he delivers that line is yeah. so good. So Huge yeah. shout out to Kumail. I think he's doing a, he's doing a great job here, and I'm glad that they let him be him as opposed to being like, no, 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 Kumail, can you can you can you Star Warsify it a little bit more? They didn't <laughs> ask him to do that, right? So I thought no. that was really cool. Um, I liked that a lot. Uh, you guys talked about the production design of Dayu. Loved it. I'm always talking about whenever I talk about Star Wars, and we're talking about like EU type of stuff. I always bring up Narshada, the, the bounty hunter kind of hundred percent. Yes, yeah. and this feels like that, and I love it. Even the yeah. even the whole rooftop fighting scene, like that, felt like a Narshada fight scene. Loved it. Um, I, I also really enjoyed in this episode thinking about the fact that later in life, Leia will send a message to Obi Wan telling him that he's her only hope. And yet in this in right. this less mature Leia, it's like, no, I can figure this out on my own. I can do whatever I want. I can. Yeah. And, and that does feel very reminiscent of Leia. But what we realize is that as Leia matures, she's able to say, like, I do need other people. I do need other perspectives. And I can mm-hmm. still be the strong character that I am. But mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi, in this case, you're my only hope. And that's something that we weren't seeing here. And it just gave me those vibes of, like, she doesn't even know that he's her only hope right now. And that was that was cool. I like that a lot. Um, the Vader reveal at the end is so cool. Um, I did think it was a little heavy-handed uh, to put the 
the breathing sound on because technically that's supposed to be when he's in his mask, not necessarily when he's just breathing through his. But I will I will set that aside as like being just a cool thing, and I'm not worried about whether or not it's accurate or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, by the way, uh, I don't know if you guys are Breaking Bad fans, but there is a crazy wild sequel to Breaking Bad where Obi Wan just infiltrates different meth labs in the galaxy because that (laughs) scene is hilarious. Um, I I am a huge Breaking Bad fan, but I was late to the party, Jay. I actually, me, me and my fiance, we actually binged it like a year ago. I fell in love with that show. Absolutely fell in love with that show. A, a brilliant, brilliant show. And I loved how they, a lot of shows overstay their welcome. They just keep milking each season until yeah. until the, until the ratings fall off. And I really love how the show creator said, hey, no, we're, we're going to, we're going to cap it when it's on its high. Yeah. Like we're going to leave on a high note basically. Right. 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 That was a smart move. No, I love breaking bad. And you're right. That whole thing <laughs> with the totally breaking bad. <laughs> totally breaking right bad. To a <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was perfect. Um, and then the other thing I thought was really cool was seeing the uh, the Zabrak character, the Deveronian Zabrak character. The the makeup was super cool on that. We we did a Star Wars fan film in 2016, and we had what was cool about it was seeing that character because that's the other version of the Darth Maul uh, species or, or race or whatever you want to call it. Right. And um, we had to do the similar type makeup, and so I'm, I was really analyzing it to see how they did it. And I'm like, oh, we we I thought we thought our makeup artist did a fantastic job. Um, for what that looked like on screen versus what ours looked like on screen. I thought that was really cool. So um, let's get into now. Now, do you guys have a uh, stopping point at any one time? Is there like a point where you're like, hey, I got to wrap it up by a certain time? No, I, I think we're good, right? Okay. I think we're cool. okay. I think we're good. I just want to make sure. Yeah. I want to be always careful of people's time because this is uh, I can talk about this stuff for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> um, but let's go ahead and get into some of the things that maybe didn't resonate with us as much and maybe some of the reasons why they didn't resonate with us. So, Dre, why don't you kick us off here? What are some of the things that about this particular episode that you were like, ah, that's not really my cup of tea? Yeah, um, probably the rooftop sequence was probably mm. you know questionable how it was ended how it was actually storyboarded out and everything mm. like that i thought that didn't quite work especially you know yeah oh man you know i'm gonna have to criticize Reeve a little bit here oh. you know uh, oh. okay so, so her stunts were pretty good okay she's kind of doing her her dark side thing all right we're kind of you know hopping over rooftops okay kind of cool kind of cool yeah but then there's a point in which she pushes uh, kind of a you know um some kind of stanchion or something like that pushes it down mm. and makes a pseudo bridge out of it and then she like forward backflips <laughs> <laughs> over it oh that that one didn't ugh, it wasn't quite <laughs> quite as polished as probably it should have been right yeah. and then you know obviously they're building up tension which is good they're building up tension 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 and then when when uh you know leia falls and he catches her which good moment good moment yeah. and it 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 was foreshadowed earlier right where she right. said hey you know you can make me float and that kind of <laughs> right. thing so you kind of knew it was going that direction but i, I thought that was all kind of well done um that this the the you know the, the people firing onto obi-wan kenobi at that moment mm. like stop <laughs> <laughs> and then we just smash cut to obi-wan's on the ground and you know you know mm. is kind of picking her up kind of thing and, and we're mm. kind of slowing down a little bit i thought that release of tension wasn't handled the best i mm. thought you know maybe there should have been uh more clips of 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 uh, maybe obi-wan you know dealing with that threat making his way down that kind of thing it just just wasn't handled the best so the ending on that mm, i don't know questionable um 
you, you know, maybe the uh, the way Riva confronts um, uh, Kumal Kumail's character, right? Mm, mm. For the first time, you know, she's. I mean, we've seen her now for two episodes. How she'll just dispatch anybody who crosses her path. <laughs> right, right. And here's this guy acting like a Jedi. You would have thought that he would have been cut down right there. Mm. I understand why it wasn't like that right. for sure. But you know, it, it was it was almost kind of out of character for her. Well, she she, she knew she knew he wasn't force sensitive. She because she is, and she can sense that. Okay, this guy's BSing me. Yeah. Oh, sure. I just thought he. That kill him anyways, right? Yeah, kill him anyways. <laughs> you know, it's like, why would you even yeah. stand in my way, you peasant? You know, get <laughs> out of here kind of thing. I understand why that didn't happen, right? It, you know, it kind of read her, where does mine, that kind of thing. But it, I thought it wasn't handled the best. It wasn't handled yeah. the most polished way. So so that was just, you know, just, just a little weird for me. But, but maybe you guys have uh, better critiques than that. Well, by the way, uh, that reading the mind thing is another Kylo move, right? Like we haven't really <laughs> seen that from a bunch, but that's a Kylo move again. Which it's an interesting point. Yeah, we're gonna get into that. But um, OG, you tell me what what some what are some of the things that maybe didn't resonate with you? Uh, this is funny, man, because <laughs> I'm gonna kind of depart from you guys a little bit. Um, mm. I didn't, I didn't love, at least initially, yeah. I mean, at least initially when when the character Kumal Nandani's uh, character was introduced. Mm. Oh, here we go. We're going to do Thor Ragnarok humor in Star Wars. And I'm not a fan of Thor Ragnarok, unpopular opinion. I just, I'm not into that like cornball Marvel humor. Yeah. And the minute this, the minute his like fake Jedi character was introduced, it yeah. was like, I knew, oh my God, they're going in that direction. <laughs> they're going in the Ragnarok direction. <laughs> that I was like, oh man, please don't, please don't. Now yeah. I will say this. Um, I didn't love it. His introduction. I didn't yeah. love it. I was, I was kind of ooh, apprehensive when they introduced his character. I was kind of cringing a little bit like, Oh man, what are they going to do with this thing? Um, and I didn't love that whole scene, mm. but I, to be fair, I will say his character actually later on in the episode when he goes and helps Kenobi get away. Yeah. Um, kind of comes full circle a little bit for me yeah. and, and kind of, and, and kind of works. Mm. Um, and and I like the concept of, of of a of a guy who's pretending to be a Jedi to kind of like swindle people into money. I think that was kind of cool. Very Star Warsy, you know. We've yeah. seen a lot of like you know, kind of like the trope of like the good guy dressing in a stormtrooper outfit to like you know infiltrate whatever. And I think this was a, was kind of a clever take on that trope. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to pretend to be a Jedi, make yeah. a little money, right? That was very clever. I just the introduction to him, though, I got to admit, I felt like that was a little cringy because I was kind of apprehensive, like, oh my God, they're going to Ragnarok this thing, yeah. you know? And I'm like, no, I don't like that Marvel humor in Star Wars. But um, that was pretty much my chief complaint. Yeah, my chief complaint. Um, the, the backflips and all that, that that Dre mentioned it didn't bother me too much with Riva, just because I feel like they have to tie it to the prequels. The prequels, look, George Lucas did what he did with the prequels. And everyone did backflips and forward flips. Even Palpatine did like, oh, you know. Oh, I, oh, I, don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. Oh, gee, don't get me wrong. I don't mind that at all. It's just that specific backflip didn't <laughs> quite work out. It just looked a little weird on camera. But go ahead. Go ahead, OG. Why make a yeah. bridge if you're not going to use it is basically what you're saying. Right, right? kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like, oh, this is kind of yeah. ham-fisted in there. I like the backflips. I like the acrobatics. I like the kind of. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think they should do more of that in, in, in terms of the films and so forth that they, they don't really do. I mean, I remember, I mean, 
I played like Jedi Outcast and stuff like that, Jedi <laughs> right, Academy, right. where they were doing all kinds of stuff. And I wish they would uh, put that uh, e- even more in, in the series. Just that specific flip, not good. <laughs> so sorry, OG. Go ahead. No, no, that's that's completely fair. That's completely fair. But th- that's pretty much all. I, in terms of criticisms, that's all I had. I mean, I really genuinely, man, I, I'm really genuinely enjoying this series a lot. Yeah, there's yeah. very few that I can find. Look, I can go through Book of Boba Fett and give you a long, <laughs> a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. That I was like, oh, I got a problem with this. I got a problem with that. I got a problem with this. Mm-hmm. I, I can't find too much with this show. I'm, I'm really, really digging it. And my fiance, who absolutely hates Star Wars, she doesn't even like Baby Yoda. Like, she's not into the Muppet thing. It's like too Muppety for her. Yeah. She turned to me after after episode two and was like, wow, this is a really good show. And I'm like, okay. Uh, they got something on their hands when yeah. my fiance likes it because she hates yeah. Star Wars, you know. So for I, me, I've been enjoying it quite a bit. Very few critiques for me personally. Yeah. By the way, well, I, I I'll say this real fast. Uh, I I think OG, OG, I think we're on the same page in terms of what we don't like about Book of Boba Fett. You know, like the um, oh, who are That's they? Uh, I. <laughs> yeah, so I call them the uh, Cyberpunk 2077 kids, right? <laughs> now that group. Doesn't quite work on tattooing. It would have worked perfectly on diet. Oh, that's a great point. Right? That's a great I, point. I mean, so it wasn't a necessarily a criticism of that of those kids in that faction. It was yeah. just it didn't work on tattooing. Whereas a yeah. Dayu, I think it, they w- would have worked perfectly. Right. No, hundred percent. Right? You hit the nail on the head. Dayu would have worked perfectly. Coruscant would have worked perfectly. It yeah. just felt jarring yeah. in the environment they were in. You put those same 100%. characters on a more kind of like urban cityscape kind of planet. Oh, and they're freaking perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't work for Book of Boba on Tatooine. It was just, it was a really odd decision. Too but uh, it, yeah, in terms of Kenobi though, episode two, like I, there isn't much I don't like. And yeah. I, I really did. I really did like this episode. I, I so far really enjoying the series. I really yeah. am. Yeah, me too. And I think um, just a couple of points to make off of what you guys talked about. I will say that over the years, so let let me just say that Mandalorian and Rogue One are like made for Jay. (laughs) Those those movies are like those movies and shows are like the kind of the kind of tone. I like the bounty hunter vibes. I'm not as much of a Jedi fan, which I know a bunch of people are. Um, And so when I think about the humor, when I think about Kumail, because I actually have some of the same problems with Thor Ragnarok that you have OG. It's just kind of like, it basically is making fun of itself, right? Yeah. It decided to make fun of itself. And I'm not opposed to that, but what I have to do in my head and which I've done with Star Wars, especially after Book of Boba Fett, because Boba Fett was growing up my favorite character of all time until the Mandalorian when I went, that's actually the Boba <laughs> Fett that I thought was Boba Fett. And now the new Boba Fett is actually a different guy. Um, right. yeah. And I thought to myself, you know what? You're going to have to go along with some of the takes that people are going to have. Yeah, because right. otherwise it won't be, I, I'll be like, ah, I don't know if I like it. I'm uncomfortable. And so I, I will say that if you had asked me, you know, even 10 years ago, well, before, let's say before, um, before Disney took over Star Wars, I probably would have said, yeah, Kumail just doesn't seem like it fits. Like, what is, the, what is this humor? And since that time, I've actually come around to, th- to more like, we'll, we'll see what we get today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, it, and, I'll, and I'm kind of more accepting of, of what it might be. But I do think it's it's a fair critique to say that's not the kind of humor that I expect to, to see in a Star Wars show. I think that right. that's totally fair. Um, and then I will, uh, to your point, Dre, I will say this. Um, the first time I watched 
the episode, I was really bothered by the rooftop chase scene for a lot of reasons. And yeah. one of the reasons was I thought that the wire work was way too obvious. <laughs> oh, um, okay. it, it was just like, wow, this is like the wire work is obviously wires and it, it's bugging me. After a second and a third watch, I was like, you know what? It doesn't bother me anymore. But I will say this. The same thing happened with the, the Leia chase scene in episode one that mm. Megan and I talked about. For some okay. reason, they're drawing out chase scenes. They're drawing out action scenes in a way that feels a little bit more like an old school TV show or a CW TV show. In, as, in, as opposed to quick cuts, quick edits. Um, or even even if you're going to go the Matrix route with wires and you're going to do super slow-mo where it's all like kind of perfected into this wire movement, they're, right. they're, they're not doing that as much here. And, I, and I'm not sure if that's because they want to elongate the episodes with more action or if it's because this is just the style that they're taking on. But I will say that that does tend to take me out of it a little bit. It takes me out of the tension. It takes me out of the, the scene that's occurring in front of me. It takes me out of some of that stuff. And I actually have some comments on that that we'll get into tomorrow about episode three. Because I don't want to spoil it for you, Dre. But there's some things that happen in, in episode three as well that I think with the action that I'm going like. They really have a different idea on how they're going to approach these action sequences and it's not necessarily the way i would but the only yeah. complaint so one of the things i'll say is the only complaint i have about this show is the super smallest complaint of all time and it, it's not even a complaint about how the story works or why the story works this way i love seeing tomorrow morrison as the clone trooper when he's begging right i love seeing that however oh, it was a little hard for me because Kenobi had pulled his hood back and his face was very clear. I'm like, you're telling me that a clone trooper would not recognize right. Obi-Wan Kenobi? I mean, I know yeah. the guy's supposed to be like falling on hard times. And I know that this is 10 years past the Clone Wars, but this was a general in the Republic. Right. I mean, the, the whole army, this was a, like his deal. So that kind of surprised me. I loved the cameo. I put Tamora Morrison in, in, in a cameo with a, as a clone trooper like, I'm in. That's awesome. But that yeah. did take, I was like, wait a minute. Like he wouldn't recognize the guy. Like I kind of expected, cause that could have set up some tension too. Right. He could have been like, Hey, you're the guy. And then the people could around him could have been like, wait, wait, what is he talking about? And they could right. have been this whole tense scene of like, that's, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. But, um, so I thought that was a little odd. I thought that, but other, other than that, like I did have some complaints about the wire work, but after a couple times of watching, I'm like, you know what? It's actually pretty darn good. Um, so yeah, I like you guys. I'm liking this series, so it's not a lot to complain about. Um, right. There, there really isn't. And I'll, I'll to the clone trooper. I, I, you probably should have at least had maybe a double take in there. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, it couldn't yeah. be. It couldn't be. They're all exactly. dead kind of thing. Maybe something like that. Exactly. And to your point about humor, I guess one of the great things about these Star Wars uh, shows is that it allows them to be a little bit more experimental. Yeah. In a way that you possibly couldn't do in the films, because I think the films come with a certain expectation, whereas these are are kind of removed from it, so it allows you to kind of do some off kilter stuff. Um, so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that, and I think mm. the series is actually doing doing pretty well in regards to that, with with some slight netpicks, of course. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, okay, so we got a couple more questions here. I actually have so many questions for you guys, so I might have to I have, might have to skip some of them as we go along. But one of them I had was um, there's this moment in this show mm -hmm. where we have uh, Flea 
from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. um, who's playing one of the mercenaries that's hired by Riva. And he tells Kenobi, you're not a Jedi, you're not a Jedi anymore, Kenobi. You're just a man. Mm-hmm. And that was inter- really interesting to me for a number of different reasons. But uh, what do you think he means by that? What's the difference between a Jedi and a man in his mind? I'll start with you, Dre. What do you think? Well, I, I kind of harkens back to... I mean, back to the kind of the prequel mindset of the Jedi, that they were kind of these mythical creatures, really. Mm, I mean, look how Anakin reacts to, you know, seeing seeing what he believes to be a Jedi for the first time. He has a very different take on it than we've, you know, we might have expected people to maybe uh, possibly see the Jedi as, right? And I think that's kind of speaking to that, 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 you know, these people, not only are they, are, uh, you know, were removed from the Jedi a little bit, right? They're becoming mythical, but they were kind of mythical in, in how they may have been portrayed throughout this universe. Uh, people who weren't connected to the to the core, right? Who weren't connected to, you know, some of the, some of the uh, maybe more important stories playing out here. Uh, so they would have kind of a different take. And I think that's what Flea's character right there was talking about, right? It's just, oh, you're, you're just a man. You bleed like everybody else kind of thing. I think it was uh, it was kind of speaking to that, but uh, in terms of Kenobi, yeah, I think that's. I mean, it's express. It's it's um, in the screenplay. You're expressing his vulnerability, yeah, and how yeah. he's kind of like you know. I mean, this this was a guy who used to dispatch armies of droids uh, without much thought or care, and now <laughs> he's not that same person anymore. And I think that was a reflection of that, and really trying to get across to the audience. Um, that he's not that person anymore. And he's, you know, he's going to have to, you know, uh, be a little bit more uh, creative in his strategy and his approach than maybe he would have if he was a Jedi living in the time of the Jedi. Yeah, that's really good. What do you, what do you think, OG? Um, yeah, no, I, I actually, um, I concur with what Dre said. Now, I would even add upon that. I think that, like, being Force-sensitive, um, obviously you're, you're, you're kind there's a level of force sensitivity that you're born with, obviously, but I do think that it's also kind of like a muscle that you have to kind of work to maintain a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that like Kenobi, it's, it's very much, it's very clearly portrayed here in the series that he sort of gave up on all of that. He's living in everyday life as that meat harvester or whatever, that job that he had in, in the yeah. show. <laughs> So I, I think that while he obviously it's Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's very much in tune with the force. But I think there is an, an element here where, hey, if you don't practice, you're going to get rusty. You know, you're you're going to get rusty. Like it, it just because you have that in you doesn't mean that like you just you just wake like you can just not use it for a decade and just wake up and, and be like the best Jedi ever. You still have to practice and work on it and exercise it like a muscle. And I think that he's kind of referring to that a little bit here, too, where like, hey, look, you know what? You're a man now. You know, you, you haven't really been, you know, in tune with the force for all these years and you you've gotten rusty you've kind of you've kind of you've kind of been diminished into like just like this regular everyday man mm-hmm. you know and i think i think that that's kind of what he's getting at like you have to you, look i mean there's a reason why when 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 they when anakin as a young boy like like qui-gon was like we got to train him and kenobi's like okay we got to train him 
you got to train them. Like the force thing doesn't just come like automatic. Like it's just not just like you're born with it and you're like Anakin Skywalker immediately. You, you got to train, you got to work at it. And that goes the opposite way. If you don't use it for 10 years, you know, you're going to lose a little bit of it. Right. It, it's yeah. like anything else. So I think that's part of it too. I think that he's, he was so much into hiding for all those years and kind of keeping and repressing that force um, sensitivity and not practicing and not working on it, exercising that muscle. I think he became rusty. I think he was kind of referring to that a little bit. Yeah. yeah and I think, I think, you know, like you said, OJ, I think he's disconnecting himself from the force and yeah, right. like some of it's born out of, Hey, he has to be right. I mean, right. if he gives off any, I mean, that's why they separate Luke and Leia, right? So that they're, any force reverberations wouldn't, you know, ripple throughout the galaxy and reveal the location. Well, similarly, you can say that for Obi-Wan as well. Mm. And, uh, but, but I also think he's disconnecting himself from the force in a lot of ways, not just because of that, uh, but because he might feel maybe a little bit of sorrow and shame over how, how it happened and his role in it and how he could have changed things. So it, I think it's a little bit of that kind of duality playing out. It's actually expressed quite well. Yeah. And it is consistent, you know, in that kind of muscle analogy that you give, OG. It's consistent with what we see Obi-Wan do in A New Hope, right? You know, we don't necessarily see him at the height of his powers. Right. How did that occur well it occurred through things like this and i think it's a nice bridge uh to to both versions of obi-wan that we see yeah, yeah it's really good I, I think the other thing that um i would throw out there too and i think dre you 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 definitely hinted at walking down this path too mm. is that this dude is fearful this dude is not like so no, normally what you would find is you'd find a jedi that had a lot more confidence because he was he or she was uh, having the force flow through them. But for mm. a Jedi who's not doing that to a, another human being, that's going to be perceived as a very fearful person, a much more relatable person than they yeah. might otherwise have seen. And the dichotomy with the Jedi on Coruscant and that Jedi order as the arbiters of peace and justice in the universe was basically, they were looked up as being on a pedestal. And this guy's basically saying like, Kenobi, like, there's no pedestal here, man. Like, Right. You're kind of you're just you're just the same as you're not that much different than I am. Right. Like and I think that, um, yeah, so you guys covered it really well. I think that there's a lot of that wrapped up in there and it just speaks to the idolization of perceptively spiritual people, the idolization of, of perceptively strong people. And when that crumbles, then you just see a human for a human. And it's like you're just right. a man, dude. So I think that that's really, really intriguing. Really quickly, I want to pick up on this just real quick. Theme Park Casual asked about, you know, why does, you know, a scene like that happen where they put a they put a clone trooper in the scene and then there's no, there's not a lot of tension surrounding that. It's just kind of like a cameo and then we move on. And, he's at, and he was asking, is that the because the writers were under a deadline or like, why does that happen? And I think that that's a very good point. Like that happens for any number of reasons. It could have been that Tamara Morrison could only be there for one day of the shoot and they, that would have been too much to kind of work out together. They might not have had the right extras around to be able to pull that scene off really well. There's a number of different things that could have happened. And oftentimes, yes, writers are under very tight deadlines. So right. all, all of those things could be, could be part of a, of a production process. Kind of like what we talked about with George Lucas, the collaborative nature of film, whether it's on television or whether it's in the movies, means that we oftentimes get a better product than we would have gotten otherwise, right? But this is probably something that Dave Filoni would have 
kind of honed in a little bit more on because Dave Filoni is like so in touch with the clone troopers and so in touch with Kenobi that he probably would have filmed that differently. But again, if you, if Dave Filoni only does everything star Wars, you'll miss out on some of the other elements that people are able to bring to the table. So mm -hmm. I, there's any number of different reasons why that could occur. Um, totally. So let's jump into uh, one of these other questions I got for you guys. Sure. Um, we'll just touch on this really quickly if we can. Um, Reva kidnaps a senator's daughter in order to draw Kenobi out of hiding. And so the other inquisitors are pretty pissed off about this. Um, and they're kind of like, what do you think you're doing? So my question is, we only have three more episodes, four more episodes for you, Dre. We only have three more episodes to be released. I mean, does this going to have longer term implications, her kidnapping a senator's daughter? Or is this just going to be kind of a throwaway plot that just gets us down the road to where we need to be? with the other players what do you think og we'll start with you that's fascinating it's a fascinating question um do i think that they'll use this kind of storytelling device in future star wars absolutely absolutely i don't see why not and do i think it has ramifications for the series itself i do i i think you're so you're sort of seeing that whole thing with Riva, she's she's separating herself from the other Inquisitors. And you're seeing it systematically through all these episodes where she is breaking away. She's not listening to the Grand Inquisitor. She's just she's breaking away from that whole thing. She's becoming her own in a lot of ways. Um, so I think that the ramifications for this, because um, you, you mentioned that the Inquisitors are not too happy about it. I I, I think that the, the the ramifications in this particular series are that. You know, she's going to continue to do that, continue to buck against what the Inquisitors want and be her own woman. Mm. And she's going to she's going to pioneer her own her own kind of like path. Hey, look, a lot of Sith like the thing with Sith is like they're they're very selfish, right? Mm. It's all about them. So what she's portraying here, the qualities that she's kind of portraying here it, are very Sith-like qualities. Mm. I don't care about these other Inquisitors. I don't care about the Grand Inquisitor and all that. I'm all about me. Me, 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 right? Yep. That's very much a Sith quality. Yeah. So they're breaking away from the whole like, oh, I'm just going to obey orders. And, she, and she's going in much more of like a really pure kind of Sith mentality. And I don't think it's going to lead her in any direction that's going to be positive. <laughs> I, I can't imagine her story ending. Like a lot of people are, are kind of predicting like, oh, she'll get redeemed. I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't. I think her I think her story is going to be very tragic because mm -hmm. she's going down that that Sith pathway. It's going to get ugly for her, I think. And that's it's, it, that's a huge ramification for her, just yeah. in my opinion. Well, we are seeing too. I mean, we are seeing in this inquisitor relationship model, we are seeing why the rule of tool, the rule I was of two, just was about to say that, right? Just like, about to say it, uh, yeah. when you have this kind of internal competition, it can be good, but it also can cause massive problems to any kind of collective plan that you're trying to organize and execute. So, what do you what do you think, Dre? I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. It's like this is why the rule of two exists. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it's you have this internal struggle, and you know, <laughs> one's always gonna try to get up on top, and you have this kind of competitive, uh, you know, gamesmanship playing out here. And uh, you know, like OG said, I mean, she's very impulsive. Uh, she's, uh, you know, uh, I think she's frustrated with where she is, which mm -hmm. is, you know, very similar to. Uh, the allegories that you have uh, so astutely pointed out, uh, Jay, you know, between 
her and Kylo and maybe even Anakin in some ways, right? Anakin's right. like, hey, it's holding me back kind of thing, right? Mm. Uh, I think Reva feels very much the same way. And, you know, notice the language that she uses um, uh, with the other, with the other, I think it's the third brother, I believe it is. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to get what I'm owed. Brother, isn't it? Maybe? Fifth? Either way, it doesn't matter. I don't want to distract you. Is it fifth? Because isn't I, she the third sister? She, okay, she's the third sister. So he'd be the fifth brother, I think, Maybe. is what that is. I'm not a big okay. Rebels guy, so I can't say exactly. Yeah, I, well, it, well <laughs> they never really uh, broke this down, even in Rebels. So I'm, <laughs> right. I'm trying to figure it out here myself. But, you know, she uses the language like, um, you know, I'm going to get what I'm owed kind of thing, yeah. you know. And, and so that kind of entitled mindset, very self-serving and so forth. So, yeah, I, I think it will, it will have big ramifications, not just for her, but for the Inquisitors themselves. Yeah. Which is quite uh, quite fascinating, and yeah, it does bring it does highlight why the rule of two actually actually exists. Um, you know, look, uh, it it's gonna be it's 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 interesting because uh, you know, Bail Organa, Senator Bail Organa, is kind of caught in this tightrope, right? Where it's like, oh, I can't really, I, I I can't really call attention to her. Right. But I want to protect her as well, you know, how this will all kind of play out here. And I think this does have, uh, you know, repercussions with how he treated Leia uh, going, you know, going forward after this incident. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all kind of how it all kind of shakes out, and how it all kind of plays out. Um, but I but I think it was a, a pretty good uh, storytelling device to, to get the kids involved. You know, it's something that we've all been looking forward to seeing. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I think I agree with both of you guys on the implications that it has with the Inquisitors for sure. I think that I doubt that we'll see anything relative to the political implications with the Senate, because that's the other side of this, right? Like, like even even into um, a New Hope, the whole idea is that they were on a diplomatic mission, yeah. and that that Vader is somehow impeding the workings of the Senate and the government. Right. And so there's, yeah. there's a seems, I mean, let's just face it. Like <laughs> Vader does not give a shit about the government. Like he doesn't right. care in no. any movie at any time. Um, no. So I think that, and I think Reva is basically showing that to us too. Like I'm going to be yeah. more like Vader and less like the inquisitors. Yeah. But so I think you guys captured that really well. I wish we could see the implications of what it's going to look like to the government. Cause there's one thing we haven't really explored in star Wars is how that Senate interacts with the empire in any way shape or form besides right. just basically being a, a side story that's not really explored yeah. much, you know? well i i think uh episode four actually i think does this pretty well where it's like this is how the emperor rules the kind of <laughs> right. various systems right is through this kind of corrupted government political system that we have in the senate and i think the reason why darth vader doesn't well, first of all, he doesn't like politicians for one, I don't think. But, but two, um, I or think sand. Uh, or sand, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Or sand, exactly. But, or sand, right? Gets everywhere, right? <laughs> um, uh, but but no, I think that I think he knows. I mean, as the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith actually illuminated, I think he knows the grander plan, which is they are going to be replaced by the Death Star. They're a means to an end, right? right? And they're only here temporarily. And it's like, we're going to rule through fear eventually. So I don't really give, like Jay said, I don't really give a crap what these, you know, what, right. what the diplomatic structure or the government structure of this is. It's all going to be replaced anyway. Right. Right. Yeah, that's, that's good. 
Um, I will say this too. If if you think that Anakin didn't like sand in his normal Jedi robes, can you imagine how much he hates sand in his Darth Vader costume? <laughs> That's gotta be bad, man. That is something where you don't need a lot of sand. There's a lot of places sand can get into in that costume. I'm not sure that's good. Um, all right, so let's move on to one of the main topics I wanted to discuss here. And that was, as I watched this episode, it really occurred to me that in so many different ways, some of which we've already mentioned, Reva feels really similar to Kylo Ren. She has some of the same goals. She idolizes Vader. She uses oh. some of the same force tactics. So what are some of the similarities and differences between um, Reva, the third sister, and Kylo Ren? What do you think, Dre? Like, give me some of the give me some of those similarities and differences that you see here. Oh, she has you know a limited respect for uh, authority, uh, <laughs> right? As we right. found out, uh, you know, in the Last Jedi. Um, uh, I, I think she, you know, she's she's you know frustrated about where she is. Obviously, she, you know, she. I think she idolizes Darth Vader, but you know, wants um, acceptance from him, like you said in the opener here. Um, I, you know, it, 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 you know, I, you know, you, you, she feels like maybe she's being held back in some ways, which we saw, you know, Kylo there. So, so yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities. It's just kind of interesting because I, I thought the story f for Kylo Ren could have been handled maybe a little bit better or maybe a little bit differently to kind of, you know, bring that out a little bit more. Um, so I, you know, I'm excited to kind of see where this character goes, but I also see a lot of the same mistakes playing out with her character, which I think is one of the reasons why people have critiqued her character in the way that they have. Hmm. And so I, I'm, it's a little unfortunate to see that I'm, I'm, I'm excited about where it goes, but uh, I think it, I think it takes on, uh, you know, maybe the, the similarities to Kylo Ren maybe are, or maybe are a little bit, um, too closely knit together in the mm. in 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 the good and the bad ways. So mm. uh, we'll we'll see. Mm. What do you yeah. think, OG? What's your take? No, very, there's a lot of similarities uh, between the two characters. Um, there, I see a lot of Reva in Kylo Ren and vice versa. In, in that, like Reva is very much. I, I feel like she's very much like this angry character who is very impulsive. Yeah, I'm gonna do what I want to do, and and Kylo has that same kind of quality to him. Um, I will say this, so I do feel, I feel like Kylo, in my opinion, um, was a little more layered though. Mm. Like, I feel like there was a lot more kind of bubbling under the surface with Kylo Ren. Um, I thought he, I, in my opinion, felt like he was a much more interesting character overall. Mm. Um, I felt like after, um, the force awakens i'm like oh i want to know more about this guy like what's going on and mind you you know force awakens was a two-hour movie well we've now had three hours of kenobi and I'm, i don't have that same hunger for reva mm -hmm. you know and that could change you know we still have three more episodes you know so just to keep that in mind but um i do see the similarities there's a lot of rage here it's it's uncontrolled the vader fanboyism yeah. is definitely there with reva like she's all about vader you know, um, so that's a thing. We'll see how it plans pans out. I, I do not think, though, I, I, in my opinion, I don't think like, look, Ben Solo, Kylo Ren was eventually redeemed at the end of, uh, of the sequel trilogy. I do not believe that Reva will be. Mm -hmm. I think Reva is going down a path. We only have three more episodes. I, I think she's going to kind of like 
as Tupac said, you know, you live by the gun, you die by the gun kind of thing. Right. I, th I think that it's kind of going to be like that with her. I think she's going to sort of, this is the path she chose and this is the path that she'll ultimately will be her undoing yeah. in my opinion. But, the, but the simulators are definitely there. Yeah. I'll say that I'll say this, you know, to OG's point, I, I will agree with you. I, I don't think she's as nearly as a compelling as of a character as maybe Kylo Ren was. Yeah. Right. So I will definitely agree with you. It's just, I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not necessarily excited or, or, or maybe interested as maybe I was with Kylo Ren, especially early on yeah. uh, learning more about that character than, Maybe I am with Reva. And, and that goes beyond, by the way, just the Skywalker lineage. Yeah. I think Kylo Ren was a, a far more in interesting, compelling ca character outside of those reasons. Yeah. Um, in a way that maybe maybe doesn't resonate in the same way uh, as it does with Reva. And that, that that's really unfortunate because I, I do think there was uh, there was potential here. But uh, I'm not necessarily hooked yet. You know, when the when the Reva scenes come up, it's like. Can I get back to Obi Wan? You know, it's kind of <laughs> one of those things. And that's a hard thing, right? Because you have a legacy character that people genuinely are very, very interested in, and it's kind of hard to have this kind of, you know, this this other character kind of slotted in here like this and and use this as a storytelling device in this way. Yeah. Well, and and if you, I I feel for Moses, I absolutely yeah. feel for Moses because, like you said, Dre, she's sort of put in the middle of the story between yeah. these two legendary characters, Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader, yeah. and she's the new character introduced. Yeah, and it's almost like I feel like Lucasfilm sort of, I don't think intentionally, but they sort of set her up for, for for failure a little bit mm. because it's like. As a new character, I don't care who you are. I don't care what actor, actress plays this character. You're gonna you're gonna fall short of, of, of like the interest of the fans comparative to the Kenobi Invader. You just are, right? And I think I think that that was a little bit of a Lucasfilm issue, where it's like, well, you know, you're kind of setting her up for like, you know, I I, I feel for her. I absolutely do because I mean, like, she's in the middle of this thing, and like, you can't compete with Vader. <laughs> with Kenobi, it's like, come on, you know. So I understand. So, I, I understand that uh, completely. But uh, you know, we'll see how it pans out. You know, I'm I'm, I'm rooting for. Her. I really I really want her arc to be really badass. I really want it to be satisfying. I, I'm absolutely rooting for her. I absolutely loved her. Moses Ingram was absolutely fantastic in the Queen's Gambit. Yes, she was fantastic in that movie, and she's a fantastic actress. Absolutely fantastic. So I'm absolutely rooting for her. But um, yeah, I just I just feel like she was sort of set up to be. The position that she's in is, is it's hard. It's hard to be in that position, right? It, you, these two iconic characters right in the middle of that, and you're in, you're a new character introduced. Yeah, it's a tough spot to be in, whether you're tough. Moses or anybody else. That's a hard yeah. spot, man. That's tough. Yeah, especially because um, when it comes to the comparison to Kylo Ren, one of the things I talked about with Megan Salinas um, on yesterday's show was that it's odd to see a character have this level of vitriol right. when they are trying to achieve something bigger and better for themselves. And it doesn't seem to be personal. So one of right. the things that Megan and I were talking about was, are they going to make this personal? Did Kenobi do something to her? Did something happen to her that makes this level of internal vitriol something that she needs to like get revenge, get vengeance, get like work it out through her, through the way that she comes back at him. Um, so that's a little awkward because when you see Kylo Ren, one of the things that we really get with him is that we get a lot of like, for example, we haven't necessarily seen a, a Reva weakness yet. 
So to your point, OG, how are they setting her up, especially when you've got these other characters who we we are super familiar with the weaknesses of Anakin and the weaknesses of Obi-Wan and the weaknesses and the strengths of Leia. We're basically seeing a character who's, I'm tough, I'm going to do what I want to do for, for Vader, but we don't actually know any of the deeper reasons why. With Kylo Ren, we figured it out. It was kind of like, look, my parents have not really helped shape me very well. Right. I feel like I'm very isolated. I feel like I'm very alone. I gravitate towards the anger that my my uncle almost killed me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I gravitate towards the anger that my my grandfather had. I'm now that he was such a powerful person in the force. Is that a way for me to work through these emotions? Can I give mm -hmm. up some of my pain by living into the Vader persona? And we don't get any of that side of Kylo Ren with Reva. We just get I'm angry and I want to be a higher, a higher level Sith in Vader's eyes. Right. And I think that that would do a lot to strengthen her character. Um, go ahead, OG. Well, no, totally. I I'm a hundred percent on your on your page, Jay. And and like we, there's hints of that in the beginning and the first episode with the younglings. There's a character exactly. that people think that might be Reva, but I hope in the last three episodes they really hammer that home. Yes. Maybe she was a youngling. Maybe she realized as a youngling, it was Kenobi that sort of failed Anakin and set this whole thing on this downward spiral. And that's why she's angry or, or something. Let's just, like, just give us something to, to grab onto that. This is what's motivating her. And hey, there's still three episodes, so there's yeah. hope there, you know. Yeah. Um. But but I hope they go down that route where where they really kind of flesh out her character because I think there's a lot of potential there yeah. with her character. You just gotta give it a little something, you know. You gotta you gotta give her that motive, and it's not too late to do that. You can no. definitely do that. And hey, well, I don't want to say it because episode three, you haven't seen it yet, right? <laughs> but I feel like in episode three, they kind of a little bit with that, but not totally. But right. yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they she definitely needs more motivation for sure i think that's that's one thing that we can definitely say we need a little bit more meat on those bones because right now it's a little bit you know she's impulsive she's frustrated we don't quite understand why that is and maybe what might be driving her and her decision making you know it, it's uh it's interesting because you know star wars villains um they have a lot more layers to them than you know mm. might you know mm. might not uh, maybe necessarily see on the on the onset, you know, mm -hmm. they're kind of caricatured in in their demeanor and their tone and all these kind of things, but they are actually kind of layered uh, villains, and 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 that's I think that's what is really missing from Riva, and that's what we really need yeah. from Riva, as you guys have astutely pointed out, because we you know we don't really know that the what's really driving her, yeah, um, um, and and we we really have limited insight into that. And I think that's definitely what it, what it, what it needs, you know, like, 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 like Darth Vader, like, obviously he's vengeful for a variety of reasons. Right. And yeah. that was beautifully laid out in the prequels, I think. Yeah. So that when you see in rogue one, after all this time, I mean, you know, he's letting a little bit of that out. And <laughs> unfortunately there are a couple of rebel soldiers who stand in the way of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's all beautifully well done. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, yes, while Palpatine maybe didn't have a uh, have a motivation, right? You yeah. can kind of see where he's getting at yeah. and what he really wants to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll say for Reva, we, we definitely need a little bit more of that um, to, to kind of run that, run that whole thing out. Yeah, and OG made a good point earlier because he said, you know, you're, you're sandwiching this, this character between all of these classic... 
um, characters that we've seen over and over again. And and part of that problem from a from a person who tells stories all the time um, is that it's very hard to define. It's very easy to define what the Grand Inquisitor is. He's a secondary character. It's very right. easy to define what Kumail's character is. He's a secondary right. character. Sure. Um, it's very difficult for you to say, is Riva's character a primary character? Right. Uh, because you've got you've got Vader, you've got Obi-Wan, you've got Leia. Like yeah. these are all like pretty primary characters. And then Riva feels like so again, to OG's point, this is this is the creators setting up a character who maybe feels like like on the press junkets, it was Hayden, Moses, and Ewan. So we're sitting here going like, okay, well, these are the these are the three. This is going to be all about. And I'm not saying it's not, but we don't have enough. We don't have quite enough of Riva and of her pain and of what she's faced with and of the secondary natures that are not just I'm going to be the next Vader, right? Like we need more than that. And I think if we got that, we would have a lot less. We would have a lot less critiques. We have, we still have the, we still have the idiots, right? Because the idiots are the idiots, and they're going to be idiots. But right. we'd at least be able to go down a path with that a little bit better, I think, with her character specifically. It would also, you know, and and if you made her maybe relatable in those motivations as well, now mm. it's like, oh, now I'm with you, kind of thing. Now I can yes. kind of understand that pain. I can right. understand where you're going here, yeah. and and, and and kind of. Um, kind of be with her a little bit and kind of have something to hang your hat on as as viewers for this character but right now it's just you're standing amongst giants here that are yeah. very fleshed right. out that have very right. you know very long interesting intricate complex backstories and motivations and things yeah. and unfortunately she's kind of shoehorned in there and it feels yes. like it yes yeah. and, now, and I, will, I will say this too i mean i'll be completely honest like not even with like with this show in particular, but I've yeah. never been like super into the Inquisitors, even with the animated stuff. I, mm -hmm. I've never found them to be like super interesting, just for me personally, you yeah, know. Yeah. So it's like uh, maybe not necessarily like a Deborah Chow problem. Uh, I, I just I've never really even with the animated stuff have found these particular characters to be super fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, but I just hope that they that they do expand upon Riva's story in particular because I do feel like they're setting her up to be very important to the story. And, and if you're going to do that, you got to flush her out a little bit more. You know, she's a phenomenal actress. And I, I think that she can definitely um, step up to, yeah. to the plate for this. You know, I think she's totally great. Agree. So we'll see. By the way, theme park casual says, and we're all canceled. Oh God. What are you gonna do? <laughs> um, this is it. This is over. So one of the things that uh, I, I, I'll, I'll touch on really quickly, because OG, you started to go here, because my next question is the last question. And then we don't get to hang out for for uh, for the rest of the day, but I will be hanging out with you guys in in spirit. Um, the uh, the idea of where her character is going, what is this character's arc? And part of the problem with an arc is that you do see the weaknesses and the strengths, and they kind of they go in this arcing motion as opposed to a very clear line where the character is going, <laughs> right? Um, and I and OG, you said I don't think that they're going to be able to redeem her, which they right. did with, with with Ben Solo, right? And I I would be shocked if they're able to redeem her. And if yeah. they are, then um, I'll, I'll say this very vaguely, uh, Dre. If they are, then in episodes four, five, and six, they're going to need to give us 
a pretty different Reva than right. we've seen before. Because getting her through this arc, they're going to basically have to like shove the arc onto us as opposed to letting us ex roll the arc out. And so I think you're really right as we talk about where this character is going. I mean, the space for her to be redeemed or that kind of thought process to happen, I just, I'm just not sure that it's actually there. So I actually hope that they make her more complex by making yeah. her darker and and in more pain and taking her down mm. that route, which yeah. is the opposite of the, of the way they took Kylo. So, Dre, what is kind of some of your feelings about her character arc? Uh, well, I like I said, we're, I'm missing a chapter, so that that kind of holds me back. And that look, go watch I, it, Dre. You're gonna love it, man. I know, I know. Well, okay, all right, all right. Look, listen. You know, I got, got some stuff going on here. I live, I leave for California like 24 hours. Uh, listen, I'll 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 say this. Um, is there an arc to be had here? Yeah, but man, you know. With six episodes, you might have had to start start that a little bit earlier. Yeah, and I just don't see like like Chase astutely point out here. I just don't see us on the path towards that in any way that uh, that would feel maybe natural over six episodes. You know, like yeah. you know, to, to Jay's point, you're going to have to cram it in here, and it's going to feel forced, and it 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 will only add to her problems as a character. It, it it really is unfortunate because I think there was some there was something here it just wasn't necessarily flushed out, and maybe that you know the theme park casuals earlier comment about uh, deadlines and stuff maybe that was a result of that maybe I did you know from what I understand this series faced some production problems and development problems and issues. I remember I think back if you go back far enough maybe it was a, it was going to be a film that it was drawn out and stuff like that mm -hmm. and. You know, you get some stuff added in there. Um, COVID, COVID has killed production too, and a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, and then you even had we even had Ewan McGregor at a Star Wars Celebration saying, "And we want to have seven and eight and nine or whatever." You like, and so he said that, and every all of us who were going, "Wait a minute!" I thought you said there's a limited series and it's going to end at six. Like, so who knows? I don't know if he's angling to say like, "Yeah, the fans want more, and we kind of want more too," or if mm -hmm. he's suggesting something else. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all how this all gets gets wrapped up. Um, so, OG, any last thoughts on that character arc that you want to throw out there? No, no. I, I think that ultimately, I, I, I just want to kind of re reiterate, I don't think she'll be redeemed. I think she's decided her path. I think that that's kind of like the, the, like the path that they've kind of committed to for her. Yeah. I don't think there's enough episodes to really alter that. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that she will ultimately get that redemption arc. I think that she's, she's going down a Sith journey and that's that will ultimately be her uh demise i think in my opinion yeah yeah i hope so too any final thoughts on episode two before we close it out here you know one thing i'll i'll bring up and i just thought about it right now mm. um the clone trooper you know it's a little thing but it was kind of a big thing now thinking back on it mm. you know it kind of represented like wow you know this is what the emperor did with you know these people mm. who pretty much gained him the power that he has, right? Just cast him aside and refilled the ranks with people throughout the galaxy with, you know, recruitment and so forth. Um, kind of showed that for the first time because, you know, there was some ambiguity between, you know, are these uh, the Stormtroopers clones? Are they, you know, what are they really? Uh, this really kind of settled that once and for all. That, yeah, the clones were kind of cast out as, uh, you know, veterans, mm. uh, you know, uh, are a lot of times. 
and it was a uh, you know just that little thing right there uh it's it said a lot without having to say much at all and yeah. so I, I really did i really did like that a lot you know it's, it's a little thing but man oh man does it have some pretty big implications so i like well, that well and that's that, that kind of harkens back to like what i love about this show is yeah. that deborah chow did a fantastic job at sort of straddling the prequels and the originals yes there was a lot in here that if you're an original trilogy fan you're going to eat it up right but if you're a 90s kid and you grew up in the prequels there's a lot here that you're going to eat up it yeah. really does perfectly straddle that line and i think that was really i think that was done in a brilliant way yeah. you know i think that was really done in a brilliant way i think there's like i mentioned the Dayu planet and just yeah. just the way the whole energy felt it really did feel like a bridge between both trilogies i think i think deborah chow did a phenomenal job all all criticisms aside all issues aside i think overall i think she did a really great job yeah so. Yeah, I think we're all on that same page. This is this is this is great. It's good to see. It's good to see good Star Wars. So that's what we yes. always want. Uh, and then just some couple takeaways: fantastic production design, fun characters. Uh, there is a way to have conversations about what you like and what you dislike in a constructive, uh, informative way. I hope we've done that today. Yep. Shout out to to uh, to Moses. She is somebody we're rooting for. This yeah. is all all of the any issue that we pointed out with Riva today. By the way, was not related to her. It wasn't related to her performance. Right. It's not about that. Um, and so, if you are somebody that's going to go bully, do not do that. That is horrific behavior. Don't don't idolize the dark side and turn to it. Right? Okay. Like nobody's rooting for you. Nobody wants to see you succeed in that. Just, just, uh, just know that you can have conversations like the one we're having, and mm -hmm. uh, you don't need to go bully. Just, just talk it out with somebody else. Um, so, fantastic conversation with these guys. Now, I'm gonna let them promote their channel. But before I let them promote their channel, I want to tell you why you should go support their channel and be a part of watching their videos. Um, I found I started listening to uh, Orange Grove 55 probably, probably over a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and the reason why was because one of the things that, um, everybody involved in this channel, including George, shout out to George. We're not leaving George out of this conversation. Oh, George is right. awesome too. Disney Family 23, man. Yes. That's awesome. Um, uh, the real cool thing about their channel is that they will take issues. This is my perspective on it. They will take issues that are being turned into propaganda and they will break it down. Chapek is horrible. The Reedy Creek is about this. This is what D Disney's facing over here. Yeah, they'll break down all of those issues, but they're going to come at it from multiple angles. They're not just going to be the Twitter war about this is horrible, this is not horrible. They're going to describe it in detail. They're going to look at it from all angles, and they do an amazing job at that. So if you're into Disney, if you're wondering about what's going on, please go give these guys a subscribe and support them. And then now let me turn it over to you guys. Tell them where to find you and, and why they should listen to your channel. Jay, thank you so much, brother. We appreciate that, man. We, we really do. We appreciate that. That was really nice. And, and, and like, yeah, we, we try to be as fair as possible. We try to break these things down from a kind of, kind of separate ourselves from the situation and kind of see it from an outside perspective and kind of see it from all sides, you know, JPEG, a lot of fans want to, you know, kind of paint him as like a one-dimensional villain. He's not. He's a person, and and there's multiple angles to that story. So, 
Um, but, but we appreciate you, man, for the support and, and like, you know, um, having us on today. It was a lot of fun. I love Star Wars. <laughs> I love Star Wars. I could talk, I could talk to you guys about this all day long. Um, but you can find us on Orange Girl 55 on YouTube. We talk a lot about theme park stuff. We talk, we dive into the corporate stuff in terms of like Bob Chapek, Bob Iger, things like that. We get into like the nerd culture stuff like Star Wars and Marvel. We love it all, man. We love it all. So check us out on YouTube. And uh, again, Jay, just want to thank you so much for being such a gracious host today and having us on. It was a lot of fun, dude. Oh, super fun. Super fun. So go follow them. And by the way, at OrangeGrove55 on Twitter, at VashSky on Twitter. Go check them out. And then I don't know what George's handle is, but go follow George too. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's at DisneyFamilyMan20. Is that it? Or, or is no, it it's, Disney? It's, it's, it's at Disney underscore George, I believe. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Nice. He's right. He's right. Sorry. I do apologize. I never look at. I never look at ads anymore. Because so I just follow them. You know. It's, exactly. Exactly. All all great stuff coming from Orange Grove Fifty Five. Um. By the way, if you are a fan of steampunk fantasy western mashups, please pick up a copy of our full cast audiobook and novel, Death of a Bounty Hunter. It's about a desperate sheriff who will do anything to save his daughter and a bounty hunter who realizes he can no longer run from the truth. Links will be in the description down below. That is it for today's show. Special thanks again to OG55 and Dre for joining me today. Definitely support them by subscribing to them on YouTube. New episodes of the Story Geek Show come out every Wednesday on YouTube and on your preferred podcast provider. Bonus shows come out throughout the week as well. As I said, I had literally released the Wednesday show. They came out with episode three. I'm talking to these guys about the second show. I have three shows this week that I'm doing. So I'm thinking on way too much this week but we're doing it because we love kenobi and we want to talk about kenobi as much as possible if you have a topic or a question you'd like for me to discuss please leave me a comment or shoot me an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org i'd love to include your questions in a future show and i will be reporting like i said more content all throughout the week so you can subscribe to the story geek show on our youtube channel which is being recorded here or on your preferred podcast provider thanks for watching and or listening see you on the next show which will be about episode three of kenobi plus as soon as i can i'll drop some notes because i'm going to be talking about stranger things season four as well and i love love stranger things season four og dre thank you for joining me today i really appreciate you guys great insights into kenobi and we'll all talk to all of you guys later. <laughs>